gentlemen boys girls aliens martians any conscious being tuning into the podcast i welcome you to episode 11 of martian mixed martial arts my name is john i'm your host and this is going to be a solo episode of the podcast there's no guest on it unfortunately um part of the reason is uh that the ufc is not that exciting this week you know it's just a pretty ordinary looking card coming up this weekend there wasn't any uh groundbreaking uh news only a fight night card this past week so uh no guess this episode um part of it is kind of just laziness on my pa- uh, part i guess i could have found somebody to be on but um I, I like to save the guests for the more special weeks when there's better cards coming up it gives it a little more uh a little better of a feel to it um so uh we're going to be uh discussing ufc austin that happened uh this past sunday yeah uh, bellator 194 this past Friday, and then uh, previewing the UFC Orlando card coming up this Saturday. So uh, we'll start off with uh, the the really boring stuff, which would be UFC, or I mean, I'm sorry, Bellator 194 from uh, Friday, February 16th. Uh, this episode, or uh, this event was held in uh, the Mohican Sun in Connecticut. Um, you know, that's uh, one of the... Uh, MMA locations you can hold uh, on an Indian reservation ground at a casino. So there's not really much of an athletic commission there. So um, kind of an interesting choice that the Bellator would put Matt Mitrione and Roy Nelson on this card because those guys are not very well known for using steroids, even though, you know, of course they might. But um, there's a lot more heavyweights that would benefit from not having an athletic commission, particularly the next uh, uh, heavyweight um, fight in the tournament for Bellator, which is Fedor versus Frank Mir. Both of those guys, pretty, um, pretty fond of steroids, you know. So I would... Uh, I would it's kind of shocked that the uh, Bellator put the Mitrione Nelson matchup on the uh, the non athletic commission uh, card instead of Fedor Mir. Um, interesting decision, I guess. You know, there there may be kind of no whole, or uh, no nonsense when it comes to steroids, but I don't really think that's the uh, that's their stance on it. Maybe uh, Coker just didn't think this one out too well. But um, I only uh, watched about four fights on this card. Uh, the Bellator undercards are usually pretty amateur. Um, not a lot of uh, high-level talent going on there. So I uh, did skip that. Um, Taiwan Claxton, the gentleman who had one of the knockouts of the year last year with that flying knee, fought again. Um, fought a guy who was 0-1. And, you know, finished him in the second round. Kind of interesting matchmaking for that. You know, you have a a star who has a really nice win, and you give him a guy who has no wins in his next fight. Not really the best way to build up a star. But um, Belter's not really known for doing that anyway. Uh, The next fight was some Russian cat named Vadim Nemkomov. Or Nemkov, excuse me. Uh, He beat the shit out of Liam McGeary. Liam McGeary was their uh, former light heavyweight champion. 
pretty pretty a good fighter. His stand up's not that uh not that great, but his he's got some pretty slick jujitsu for a light heavyweight. The dude's like six seven and uh, has gigantic legs and is uh uses that to his advantage, which not a lot of guys do at uh, those uh, heavier weight classes. But um this uh, Russian cat Nemkov just basically kicked his legs off and made McGeary quit. Uh like McGeary straight up quit. Um. In like the fourteenth minute of the fight, too, he got his ass kicked for the most the first uh you know fourteen minutes, and then one leg kick landed, and he kind of just turned away, and that was that. Um, next fight was the worst mixed martial arts fight I've ever watched. Um, Heather Hardy versus Anna Joalton. Um, man, I don't even know what to say about this one. I would recommend you go and watch it just so, uh, just so you know how bad it was. Um, these girls were former boxers converted into, uh, quote-unquote mixed martial artists, even though they're not very mixed in their skills. Um, Heather Hardy would, you know, have some terrible takedown attempt and not really get her to the ground, and Anna would go for a takedown attempt and not really get her to the ground, and then they'd, they'd accidentally fall over and end up on the ground. And there was just these sloppy exchanges, terrible jujitsu. Heather Hardy had a choke at one point and just didn't even take her back. She was on the side of uh, Jualton trying to give her a, a rear naked choke, she just wasn't taking her back and sinking the hooks in or getting a body triangle like like every single fucking person in the world who learns a weird naked choke at a jiu-jitsu school knows how to do. Um, Heather Hardy just just didn't. She just tried uh, tried choking her out from the side, gassed out her arms, didn't get the choke, just had uh, so many positions where she could have submitted her, but... Um, just didn't have any jiu-jitsu skills at all, man. This fight was just awful. Um, very little stand-up in it for two boxers. Really just sloppy wrestling exchanges and just just an awful, awful fight. Uh, really probably made people tune out of uh, out of watching Bellator. You know, there were only two more fights left in the evening. Um, the main card only has four fights. Pretty good decision by them. Uh, but then they just have this stinker of a fight in the middle of it that probably made people uh, tune out. Um, next fight, uh, Patrick E. Frieri uh, versus Derek Campos, both uh, two really well-known Bellator guys. They've been around forever. Um, Patrick E. Uh, knocked him out. Uh, pretty. Uh, it says TKO, but I feel like I remember it being like a more of a KO. Um, Patrick, he knocked him down and then finished him off with some ground and pound. Uh, he looks pretty good, you know. I would uh, probably expect uh, him to be fighting the winner of um, Michael Chandler and uh, the Canadian, uh, what's uh, my, my man's name? The Brent Primus, there you go. Um, I was clicking a bunch of links to find his name, but I remembered before I got the links. Um in the main event, uh, Matt Mitrione versus Roy Nelson, actually a pretty good fight. Um, uh, at, at the end of it, you know, uh, you know, during the entire fight, you didn't really think it was too good, but it got really close at the end. Mitrione looked pretty good on the feet. Was using a lot of inside leg kicks, chopping down uh, big country's legs, and using some pretty slick boxing too. He was, uh, you know having a lot of unique movements for a heavyweight and uh, was, you know, just th- slipping slipping jabs past uh, Nelson's guard and, you know, 
sneaking overhands around, and he looked really good. Good for him. Uh, I like Matt Mitrione. Um, and then in the third round, uh, oh, I might add this about the second, uh, the first two rounds. The first two rounds, uh, Mitrione pretty much lit him up on the feet for the first like four and a half minutes, and then Nelson took him down uh, at the in the last thirty seconds of uh, both rounds. Didn't really do anything with the positions, just kind of laid there. And on commentary, Chael Sonnen said, I think that Roy Nelson thinks that a takedown at the end of the round is enough to secure you the round, but he might be mistaken. And that, that that's just what I really like Bellator for. I mean, I don't really like Bellator. Uh, I, I support it, of course. You know, it's, it's the B-League of MMA, but... Um, uh, you know, I, I got a root for them. It's good to have competition. Uh, Scott Coker is an awesome guy. They got a lot of good fighters over there. Um, you know, would I would I go see a Bellator show if it came near me? Uh, maybe. I don't really know. While if it was the UFC, I definitely would. Um, but uh, I don't. It's still it's still a pretty reputable product. So Chael Sonnen is on the commentary while this fight is happening, and he's being sort of critical of Nelson, which. You know, from time to time, Rogan will do that with the UFC because you know he's got basically like tenure. He's got, he can he's got clout. He can say whatever he wants on the commentary, and you know the uh, the fucking producers in his ear aren't gonna aren't gonna do shit if he doesn't if he disobeys their orders. You know, like he did with the whole staff infection with Kevin Lee. The producers uh, in his earpiece were saying, "Don't talk about the staff infection," and Rogan was like, "Fuck that! I'm talking about the staff infection. Like it's, it's a target on the dude's chest that we're watching right now. I'm gonna mention it." So, uh, so uh, Chael starts uh, being pretty critical of of Roy, you know, saying that this isn't gonna win you the fight. He thinks it's gonna win you the fight, but it's not. And then. Um, you know, it's just you don't very see that too often with the UFC. A lot of the commentators are more by the book and uh, afraid to grow, go off script, to say, a little bit. Um, so then in the third round, um, again, uh, Mitrion was looking good on the feet for the first three minutes of it. And then, uh, or maybe it was shorter than that. And Nelson got a takedown earlier in the round in this one. And um, then he got a mounted crucifix with about 90 seconds left. And he landed a good 20, 30 punches on Mitrion with the mounted crucifix. Um, if you don't know what that is, uh, you're just, uh, it's basically when you know, you're trapping an opponent's arm with your legs while laying across his upper body, trapping his other arm with your one arm. So you're basically like forming a T with your bodies you know, with you laying uh, on on top of him and then you're you're trapping his arm with your legs you're trapping his arm with your arm and you're using your one free arm to just punch him in the face as you know while you're laying on top of him with all your weight very hard to get up very effective position that's how DC finished Vulcan Ozdemir in their fight and Nelson um gets this position and lands uh, a lot of punches on Mitrion. I was sick as shit. I was worried. Uh, I, I bet Mitrion by decision, and uh, he ruined the first two rounds, and I was just worried that this was going to be a 10-8 uh, round for Nelson, and it was going to be a draw, and then I would lose. But um, although one judge, uh, what happened at the end of the round was, uh, in the last 30 seconds, I want to say Mitrion got free and um, kind of, I guess there was just a, a little bit of a scramble until the bell. But Mitrion definitely, or Nelson definitely won the round pretty con uh, concisively. And I was worried that there was going to be a 10-8. I didn't really know if the new rules were in place or not. Still not really sure. But uh, fortunately, only one judge gave the fight 
uh, the third round, uh, a 10-8. So there was only one draw, two 29-28s, Mitrion winning the first two rounds, and Mitrion won a decision. Um, there was not allowed to be a draw, though, because it was a tournament, so the fighters were, like, on their stools in between rounds, and er, after the third round, thinking that there could be a fourth round if that was possibly 10-8, but luckily that didn't happen because both those fat fucks were gassed. Um, they definitely... The, the fourth round would have been a, a slop fest if it happened. Who who knows? But it kind of would have been interesting to see. Um, but uh, my bet uh, cashed out, so I was happy that happy that it uh, happy that it happened that way. Um, the next Bellator car, let's check it out. The next Bellator uh, heavyweight tournament fight isn't until, until April, which is just ridiculous. It's just a terrible, terrible idea to have. Uh, a tournament that is spaced out over five months. Like, I don't understand the... I think the first, it was Rampage and Sunnen. I think that was... Uh, I think that was January 20th. I'm going to Google it right now and see the exact date. But January 20th would be the first one. And then we had February 16th. The next one is March something. Um, let's see. We're just looking at the... March, yeah, January 20th, so that was the first one, and then you have, like I said, the one that happened this past weekend, and then the Fedor isn't until April. Uh, you can't have a two-month gap in the fucking tournament. You're not going to draw any interest. People watch tournaments when it would all happen in one night, but they're not going to watch when it's, it's happening over five or six months. That's just the first round. Then there's got to be two more fights. So so Bader is going to fight in May, and then he's going to have to, or Bader and King Mo are going to fight in May. Bader is most likely going to win. Then that's that's by the way that's the best matchup of the tournament. Um, then uh, he's going to need a couple months to recover to get his next fight. So maybe the winner of Fedor Mir, which I believe is going to be Fedor, is going to fight uh, Sun In and maybe. Uh, July for Bellator, and then you would have to wait uh, another month or two to have um, Matt Mitrione and Ryan Bader King Mo fight. That would be in maybe August September, and then you have the final in January or in December, November, January. So you're it's a twelve month tournament. You're, there's no interest, there's no buzz, there's no casual audience getting behind that. It's a really big fuck up in my mind. Um, the type of tournament that that draws people in would be either a all happening on one night or all four of the first round fights on the same card. It's a no-brainer. If you had a main card with all four of those heavyweight fights with Fedor and Mir headlining it, uh, there's there's a couple million viewers, Bellator. You're not even Fedor and Mir by itself isn't gonna draw a million. It might. I don't know. I, I really don't think it will, though. Bellator's viewership numbers are down. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But um, Fedor isn't going to draw a million people on TV nowadays. I, I don't know. I just feel like his his star power is not there. He's 41. He hasn't had too many good performances. I should check the viewership of Mitrione and... Uh, oh, no. That, see, that, was, that fight wasn't even the main event. That fight wasn't even the main event of, of uh, Bellator uh, 180. Oh, and that was a pay-per-view, too. 130,000 pay-per-views for um, Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva, which 
uh, Mitrione and uh, Fedor was the co-main event for. So, uh, um, 130,000, that's pretty good. Uh, doesn't really convert too well to, uh, to just uh, TV viewers, though. Um, Bellator's TV viewers are down. I read that uh, this card drew under 500,000. Um, that's, that's really bad for having two former UFC heavyweights in the main event. Um, I believe, uh, saying that there's been three events in, of, uh, Bellator so far, and two of them have been under 500,000. Not a good sign. Um, uh, but you, 192 with the Rampage and Sunnan did peak at 1.5 million, though, so it's not, that's not terrible. Uh, but they're certainly uh, struggling with with viewership. Um, I heard uh, the MMA Hour talking about this today uh, on their podcast. They were talking about that the casual audience isn't tuning in to Bellator. Well, there's there's a, a hardcore uh, following uh, of MMA fans that are gonna watch anything. Uh, any MMA on live TV, whether it's you know Access TV or Access TV doesn't draw that many. The two main ones are obviously Bellator and UFC. So there's about f- the, s- the the bottom the the floor level is about four hundred thousand fans who are going to tune in no matter what. That's like the the minimum for Bellator. So four hundred thousand diehard MMA fans that are tuning in, but that's that's not that many. You know, um, I'm actually surprised it's it's that many. Uh, tuning into Bellator, I think some of their bad cards would actually draw more like a one or two hundred thousand. But um, maybe there is some casual audience just tuning in, you know, just scrolling through their channels and they click MMA. But you know, that that's that's unlikely because it says Bellator on it. No one's gonna click. Oh, what's Bellator? It's not gonna. Maybe it says Bellator MMA. Who knows? Um, but uh, the the TV viewership is definitely definitely questionable. I mean, if you're not doing good numbers on them. I mean, it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be hard to build your product uh, at all. You know, build new stars, uh, explore new territories if you're, if the TV ratings aren't there, and um, you know the UFC TV ratings uh, this past weekend weren't weren't great. You know, they were only around like a million uh, peak for Sage Northcutt and, and Cowboy Cerrone. Um, so. so Maybe it's just TV viewership in general. Maybe people are, you know, maybe illegal streams are getting much more traffic. But the state of live TV and MMA doesn't look too good. Um, Really makes me want to see the UFC transition to Netflix uh, in the coming years. Uh, Their Ultimate Fighter TV show is doing fucking terrible it gets very uh, low numbers on whatever platform it's airing on, but if they, you know, it's a pre-recorded show, so if they just reco- released all, you know, 12 episodes or however many episodes as a Netflix series, like Netflix series do, they would probably gain a lot more viewers. Got a lot of casual int- uh, interest. It would be a big deal for Netflix having their first major sports brand. They would probably promote the shit out of it. Um, and I mean, even like a, whenever, whenever like a Netflix sponsors some special, you know, whether it's some unknown comedian, that, that comedian's going to get a couple million people watching their special because Netflix is going to put their, that shit like on the main page where however many tens of millions of people subscribe to Netflix are going to see when they log in. So if the Ultimate Fighter could get on there or some other UFC card, it would be a great thing for the sport. 
hopefully that's the direction they go in. Hopefully this, I don't know, it's going to be hard for them to go away from the Fox deal completely. Um, but, you know, it, it would, and it's going to be hard for them to balance out TV and uh, digital streaming if they decide to go in that direction. But it's something I would definitely like to see. I mean, they have to make a change of some sort. Uh, the Fox viewership numbers are just going steadily, steadily down. Uh, th- this next week's card, getting into the UFC, is UFC on Fox. So the numbers right now for the Fox viewerships over the past couple of years, but I can go tell you right now that they are, they have plummeted in the past couple of years. Um, the UFC on Fox 27, the most recent one, Jacare versus Brunson, did 1.6 million views, which is a 21% drop in ratings from uh, January of 2017 and a 35% drop from 2016. So in two years, it's dropped 35%. And I don't even want to tell you what it was before that. I mean, the, the UFC on Fox numbers did did really good before that. The first one, I don't know if you know this, this is, this is one of the most insane statistics uh, in MMA history, I think. UFC on Fox won Velasquez versus Dos Anjos for the uh, uh, heavyweight title did 8.88 million viewers it peaked at 8.88 million um i don't i don't know i don't i can't even begin to fathom how many people were watching that like uh, that sounds like an unattainable number at this point you know uh i remember when i first got into ufc it was ufc on i believe it was fox eight or nine is when i started watching and uh, they already were, uh, you know, around the three million mark. Uh, I'll tell you what it was. The first one I watched was Johnson versus Benavidez, um, um, which was, oh no, actually, I think I watched Ben uh, Dodson Johnson versus Dodson. That was the first one. Let me let me find eight, um, two point three eight million. So. I mean that was a that's a you know it's it is a champion a championship fight but um that's that was already uh at at the bottom you know it was already getting pretty low it you know hovered around three million people for a couple uh, another year or two um but now it's consistently dropped under two million and that's just not something good to see and with the the main event on this one, I expect it to be, again, under 2 million. Um, they really dropped the ball with, uh, I mean, I guess it's not dropping the ball because it's it's still it's a good fight and the, the, the quality of fight on UFC on Fox has gone down a lot, so I guess this kind of fits the fits the mold for that fight, but it's not definitely not going to draw numbers. 1.6 million sounds about what, what it'll do. But we'll talk about the Fox card in in a little bit. First, I want to talk about this past week's card, UFC Austin. Uh, I did a podcast previewing it pretty uh, intensively with my man Luke last week. Um, he was at the fights in Austin himself. Uh, sent me a, sent me a couple updates saying that you know some some punches sounded so fucking loud. You could like hear him throughout the arena, and uh, you know just a couple different reactions from the event. So that was kind of cool getting his insight. Um, so uh, it was it was a good card though, very good card. Um, only a couple decisions, and most of them were good fights. 
Um, only one bad fight on the card, which was uh, Pudalova. Uh, it's like I think that's how you pronounce it. Pudalova versus Sarah Marias. Um, uh, sort of like the Heather Hardy matchup. There's a lot of sloppy grappling in that one. Actually, Marias had some okay grappling. She you know looked like she had like a uh, couple uh, nasty armbar attempts and um, uh, other submission opportunities. Just wasn't able to execute. But um, starting off the first fight, Oscar Pachota, um, uh, him and uh, Tim Williams exchanged for a little bit. Both traded some pretty stiff punches, and then Pachota landed a knockout bomb. Um, kind of a bummer, like I said. Uh, I, I, uh, Tim Williams trains at uh, a lot of the gyms uh, that I go to. He's a pretty local guy, so wish he would have gotten the win there, but Pachota's a beast. Um, uh, that po- strong Polish MMA force coming in, coming into town in the UFC. Next fight, Alex Morono um, ran through Josh Berkman. Berkman's just got nothing left. Morono hadn't even finished a fight in the UFC before, and he made it look easy versus Berkman. Berkman's fifth fifth UFC loss in a row. Um, get that guy the fuck out of here. Um, next, uh, next fight was the women's fight I just talked about for a second, so we'll skip over that one. Next fight, Sanchez versus Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez won that. Sanchez looked pretty good in it, um, but I mean, I mean, Sanchez is tough. Just kidding. Um, Roberto Sanchez versus Joby Sanchez, uh, was that fight. Joby Sanchez was coming off of, uh, I think two wins on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Yep. Two, two straight. Um, and then he fought Roberto Sanchez. I believe it was Roberto's first fight in the UFC. Let me confirm that. Um, but uh, Roberto looked looked good. He, uh, uh, no, it was not his first fight. He lost his first fight um, to Joseph Marais back in August. But um, he uh, ended up uh, getting a rear naked choke. Um, looked, looked pretty good, you know, uh, pretty much ran through him. Um, it was a quick fight. A lot of first round finishes in this fight, uh, in this card. Six to be uh, to be exact. Um, five on the prelims. That's insane. Five of six prelim fights ended in the first round. Um, next fight: uh, Jeff Neal versus Brian Camozzi. Um, again, squash match. Jeff Neal just kind of ran through him, got a choke. Uh, that was the fight. Didn't he was kind of like leaning against the cage? Didn't even have hooks in, and just got like a really tight grip on a choke and bulldog choked him. So um, kind of expected from Kamozi. The guy's kind of a can. Jeff Neal's not too uh, not too good either, but made it look pretty uh, made it look pretty easy fighting him. Next fight was a bummer. Carlos Diego Fieri, uh, Fier- Ferreira, sorry, uh, against Jared Gordon. Uh, I was cheering for Jared Gordon. This one pretty heavy. Starts off, Jared Gordon just kick, gets kicked in the nuts twice. Like the first minute, kicks in the nuts. He's like, "What the fuck?" And he gives him a couple minutes. He recovers. Fight starts again. Ten, fifteen seconds go by. Another kick right to the nuts. And then, and then the ref's like, "Damn my God!" Is like, "If you do it again, I'm gonna take a point." He goes, "Great." Great damn Merglad. He just fucking kicked him in the nuts twice. And now the dude is probably, you know, feeling feeling his, his nuts up in his stomach. He's probably, you know, like sick, like feeling sick to his stomach. He's he's all out of whack. I mean, he like, you know, you, you, have, you have no idea how how distracting it would be to get just kicked in the nuts and have to stop your fight in the middle of in the middle of the fight. So the fact that he just got got to do it twice and got away with it is just fucking stupid. He should have gotten a point taken on the second one right away. 
Um, Gordon should have took it, taken much more time off and recovered, but unfortunately he didn't. The fight resumed, and uh, Gordon ended up getting TKO'd pretty quickly. Um, I think I remember it being sort of an early stoppage, but I don't really remember too vividly. Next fight, main card, is where the viewership peaked for this card, which was right around 1 million. The average viewership was, I don't know, high 800,000s. Uh, Sage Northcutt uh, versus uh, Gotti. I don't even know how to say Gotti's name. Theoboot, something like that. Um, Northcutt, uh, I think he won the first two rounds. A lot of wrestling. I think uh, Gotti won the third um, I don't, could be could be wrong about that, but it, it was close. Um, oh no no no, no that's wrong. I think Sage won the first, Gotti won the second, Sage won the third. Um, Sage was an underdog after the second, and uh, I live bet him, so that was pretty good. And I also bet on him by decision. I hadn't mentioned my bets before this, but I lost like all the other ones before this. Um, uh, Morono decision lost, Tim Williams lost, Jared Gordon lost. Uh, so then I finally won on Northcutt. Um, pretty good fight, you know. Northcutt's Northcutt's tough. He's he's getting better at, uh, you know, adapting to fights and you know getting a little bit of a back and forth and coming up on top. So good for him. Uh, you know, of course, would like to see him. Uh, and Marty Casey called him out. Uh, both Taekwondo guys, both, um, pretty, pretty, not millennial, but pretty new age. Uh, UFC guys who've gotten some some promotional push. So I sign me up for that fight. It's a good matchup. I think Northcutt uh, takes him down and wrestle fucks him for 15 minutes. Uh, he's pretty good at that, and um, D. Casey's takedown defense sucks. Next fight, Brandon Davis versus Steven Peterson. I was on Steven Peterson in this one. Uh, Brandon Davis fought a couple uh, last month, didn't look so good, and kind of heavily relied on that instead of uh, instead of analyzing it more in depthly. Um, but Davis looked pretty good. Peterson was tough and you know eating a lot of shots and not not uh, not wildering at any power punches and was you know tough as fuck. But uh, Brandon Davis looked looked pretty good. Had some really slick striking and. Um, didn't really gas out either, like he's kind of known for. Uh, so, you know, good for him. Uh, wasn't able to uh, uh, lose that fight four weeks ago and hop right back in there and look, re- look really good. So, good for him. Next fight, Curtis Melender and Thiago Alves. Um, Curtis Melender, uh, this was his first UFC fight. You know, there's a lot of a lot of unknown questions about him. He had a lot of finishes in LFA, but people were questioning, you know, his level of talent. He did fight a lot of guys with pretty average records, um, but he was uh, able to uh, able to knock down Alves in the first round. I uh, don't remember what the combo was, and kind of just threw his hands up and like kind of celebrated as if he won the knockout, and then the ref didn't stop it, and then he kind of like jumped back in and tried to ground and pound and wasn't able to get the finish. Um, then um, in the second round, the lot a lot of the same happened. Um, Alves really just wasn't able to close the distance. He had, uh, Melender had about a five inch reach advantage, and Melender was just you know keeping him at at, at distance with his punches, and ended up uh, landing a pretty nasty knee, which knocked Alves out. Did the same thing though when he got knocked down. He kind of just threw his hands up and looked at the ref, and this time the ref stopped him because Alves was pretty out of it. But um, 
So I guess it's good to see that, you know, sportsmanship, but you, you kind of got to go for the kill, man. You knock a dude down, don't throw your hands up, you know, go for the last punch and then throw your hands up. But um, I, I guess he's, you know, just trying to respect the legend and not land any unnecessary shots. Uh, we all know that Alves is taking his, his lifetime's worth of punches. Next fight, uh, James Vick, uh, Francisco Trinaldo lost on this one. Lost on Trinaldo, lost on Trinaldo, knockout. Um, oh, well. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of James Vick. Um, says Trinaldo won one round, but I don't really remember which round that was. Maybe the first. Um, it's 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards, but I'm pretty sure Vick dominated this fight um, pretty easily. Uh, was using his... Uh, height advantage, reach advantage to just keep Trinaldo a distance, use his range, uh, does really well. James Vick's very high level. Um, I would uh, probably expect him to see him fight Donald Cerrone next. Cerrone talked about him wanting to drop down to 155. Um, But, uh, you know, James Vick looked very good in that fight. Um, Derek Lewis, Marcin Tibera, really good fight. Um, you know, not too much happened in the first, you know, 15 or 12 or 13 minutes of it, you know. Uh, Derek Lewis was kind of kind of getting dominated on the ground. Uh, Ty Burr was kind of having his way with him, getting mount. Not really doing too much damage, but just a lot of positional control. Lewis was landing some punches on the feet, but Ty Burr is uh, pretty tough and was rolling with the punches. Uh, Lewis was like a four to one underdog after the second round, and um, you know the second, the third round starts off after like the uh, first two were a lot of scrambles, a lot of clinching, uh, takedown defense, and then uh, when they were clinching against the cage, Lewis separates and lands a bomb and knocks Tiber out. Um, so pretty insane fight. No one really expected to see that. Um, the Black Beast uh, got on the mic afterwards and. Uh, cut a pretty awesome promo like he always does you know one of the most likable personalities in the sport uh he's a really uh really you know pretty average guy you know he was used to be a working class guy he went to prison uh but uh he's kind of just adapted into this uh martial artist role and he's now just now just thriving in it and that's awesome to see but you can hear you can hear his past life um, in his voice uh in the microphone you know he's just uh he's not a polished polished speaker he's not uh very scholarly but he's very uh very emotional very he feels a strong way and he's not afraid to say it so good for him uh black beast is awesome black beast versus francis Ngannou is the matchup to make next even the ufc uh the UFC's Twitter tweeted something about, like, uh, what, what matchup do you guys want to see next? Lewis versus Ngannou, Lewis versus Ngannou, Lewis versus Ngannou, or Lewis versus Ngannou? So uh, they ran, like, a poll or something like that. So, you know, it was kind of a, a joke, kind of well-executed. Main event, Don Cerrone, Yancey Medeiros, uh, kind of upsetting. Uh, you know, not not that I just bet. Uh, I not, not too upsetting, but I I guess I bet on Madero, so uh, losing money is never never an exciting thing. But um, the fight just didn't really didn't really have the same tenacity I wanted it to. Like they were, it was a pretty pretty high action fight where they were throwing a lot of power uh, power shots and landing a lot. But there was this weird exchange where 
Uh, I believe Yancey knocked Cowboy down for a second or staggered him with a punch, and then they kind of just, like, they're like, like, hell yeah, and and they kind of threw their arms up and, like, hugged in the middle of the round and, like, slapped hands or something like that. And um, like many people have pointed out, that's that's not a good thing to do against Don Cerrone. Don Cerrone, who is a, is a kind of a weak mental fighter, um, when he fought Nate Diaz, he was uh, thrown off big time. He was really uh, emotional. Didn't really fight too well because Nate was Nate was talking shit. He was uh, fucking with them, you know, knocking with knocking his cowboy hat off and lots of sh- uh, lots of shit that got in Cowboy's head, and it worked. And Nate Diaz beat the shit out of him and broke broke mentally, uh, cowboy mentally, but, uh, when you play buddy-buddy with cowboy, and you're friendly, and it's just, like, you make him feel, like, humane in the octagon, he's gonna fuck you up, like, that's where he thrives, when I mean, he's calm, and, you know, collect, and he, he's, he, he just flows at that point, so, after Yancey kind of engaged in that, like, yeah, bro moment, I think it gave Cerrone that confidence he needed to to get the finish to know that you know he has this guy to know it's just it's just it's not that serious it's not like he's trying to kill him uh, it's just like there it's just an athletic contest so the cowboys like oh all right I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do my thing and that's what he did he uh, basically just uh, stop stops uh, Yancey on the feet from that from then on I don't really remember the finish too too vividly but um. I should go back and watch it just to get just to get a a, a better mental view in my in my mind. But um, uh, it, it, for some reason, just did not stick out. Um, then right after the fight, um, uh, Yancey or Cowboy is like, "Hey, Yancey, Yancey, go talk to my grandma." And then right away, Yancey just like hops hops the cage and uh, goes and gives a hug to Con- uh, Cowboy's grandma, and they have. Uh, this uh this nice exchange where they're you know embracing each other and giving each other a hug uh on the side of the octagon um so you know the sportsmanship is obviously always good to see and um great to see cowboy get a win and not lose four in a row and you know get a tie the record for most ufc wins but uh also at the same time not the best sign to see from Maderos that he uh, kind of not blew that fight because you know it wasn't he wasn't necessarily gonna win otherwise but he definitely gave himself a little bit of a disadvantage when he uh, chose to kind of play buddy buddy with uh, Cerrone in the octagon so like I said great great card it uh, kind of kind of delivered a lot better than we thought it would uh, you know like I said five first round finish on the on the prelims is unheard of that never happens. Um, so, uh, very, uh, very good fights, pretty exciting finishes, a lot, a lot, not a lot of submissions, a lot of knockouts, um, only, only, only one really boring fight, so, um, I was pleased with UFC Austin, and, uh, we're gonna go ahead and move on to the card this week, which is UFC on Fox 28, uh, Josh Emmett, out of fighting at a team, Alpha Male versus Jamie Stevens, who is Alliance MMA in was that so San Diego? Um, so uh, let's uh, we'll start at the at the bottom of this card instead of talking about the uh, the interesting fight first. Um, we have uh, Albert Marais versus uh, Manny Bermudez. Albert Albert Marais is a guy who's uh, had a bit of a slow start to his UFC run. He's a one three and one. 
uh, with a draw to Alejandro Perez. And uh, he's actually fought some killers, though. Uh, losses to Thomas Almeida, Brett Johns, and Benito Lopez. But uh, he also has a win, uh, a split decision win, over Andre Sukumtat. Um, Sukumtat's uh, very good. He's, uh, I believe, on a three-fight win streak. Um, no, 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 no. Not on a win streak at all, actually. Just, just, just one win. Um, but he's, uh, I don't know. I think he, he, he's a little bit better than his his record says. Um, he's fighting Sean O'Malley next uh, at uh, UFC two twenty two in two weeks. But um, that's that's still a pretty good win from Rise. Uh, he's fighting a guy Manny Bermudez. Uh, with he, this is his first fight in the UFC. Uh, he's coming from uh, uh, Cage Titans FC. Haven't really heard of that promotion maybe it's cage warriors and titan yeah that's what it is it's cage warriors and titan fc combined um so yeah pretty reputable promotion um he's uh you know fought the guys he fought uh haven't had the best records you know they've had they have some experience but um definitely not definitely not the highest level highest level guys um, but some some are legit, some aren't. So um, you know, ten ten and zero, it's pretty good. Most of his wins are by submission. Um, don't really have much of an opinion on that fight just because I don't know enough about it. Uh, Eric Shelton, uh, just uh, sort of similar to Marias, has kind of have a tough start to his UFC career. One and two, dropped two split decisions and. Uh, just picked up a, a win over Janil Lausa. Never heard of it. Uh, I heard of him. Um, so uh, and then he's uh, going to be taking on uh, Alex Perez, uh, who is a guy who's um, coming off of uh, coming off of a lot of a uh, lot of nice wins. Um, was uh was fighting in the Tai Chi Palace for a little bit and not the best not the best promotion uh ended up winning in CFFC once and then uh making his way to the uh contender series Dana White's contender series got a finish on that got his way into the UFC got a f- his first finish in the UFC um both of those past uh both of those past wins were submissions um and uh now he's uh, now he's fighting Eric Shelton again. No prediction on this fight just because I don't really know enough about it. Um, next fight is two UFC vets who uh, one is struggling big time. Russell Doan versus Honey Gaga. Russell Doan is one in five in his last five fights. He lost or in, in his, one in four in his last five. Excuse me. Um, he's lost four in a row and somehow remained in the UFC, which I have no fucking clue how you do that. He has two wins in the UFC before that, and then lost four in a row and stayed in the UFC. I don't know why he got a pass like that, but he did. Maybe he took a bunch of fights on short notice and helped the company out, but luckily he beat a guy named Kwon Ho Kwok in, in Korea, uh, earlier last year and saved his uh, contract and he's taken on Hani Yaya um, who's a much more accomplished uh, veteran in the sport he's uh, pretty good in his last uh, couple of fights uh, f- five and one in his past six only lost coming to Joe Soto which is kind of questionable though because Joe Soto fucking sucks um, so, you know, if he's, if he lost to Joe Soto, it's not a good sign. The other, the other quality of his competition has been pretty bad too. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't really have a prediction for this fight too much, but I, uh, if I had to make one, I would say, uh, Honey Yaya by submission, just cause I know a little bit more about those guys. I'll make one. Um, 
Next fight is a Polish cat named Martian Prachinino. Prachinio. Uh, fighting uh, Sam Smiling Alvi. Uh, Martian has been uh, tearing it up in uh, 1FC for the past uh, couple of years. Um, he's got three finishes in uh, 1FC, and then he fought in some uh, some other Polish promotion before that. Uh, Pol- some Polish, German, Austrian promotion called Final Fight Championships. Um, so I was looking at some of the records of the guys he's fought. He's on an eight-fight win streak, but um, some of them have legit records. You know, uh, eight and two. That's that's uh, a lot of the 1FC guys have good records. You know, eight and two, ten and three, um, seven and two, and lastly. Uh, 29 and 6. So, um, those are all, you know, pretty, pretty good, uh, competition. Uh, you know, who knows, of course, their, their level of competition, but if they're in 1FC, I'm sure they're pretty reputable. Uh, and then, uh, as far as, uh, you know, his Polish competition before that, I'm not going to really look into it, but, um, Sam Alvey has been struggling a lot lately. Um, he uh, was looking really, really good for a while there and uh, ended up just kind of falling off a little bit. Uh, lost to Talis Latis and a fellow by the name of Ra- Ramazan Amiv. Uh, don't remember watching that fight. Um, he did have a win over Rashad Evans uh, pretty recently last year, but um, that's not saying much. Rashad is pretty shot at this point. Um, so... Uh, don't really have enough uh, prediction for this because uh, I don't know the Polish cat uh, and um, Alvi's kind of kind of hit or miss. Um, so, uh, but I mean, I would I would uh, like to see the Polish guy get a knockout because I don't really like Sam, Sam Alvi. Next fight, really really good matchup, uh, interesting matchup because the, both the guys are tenth planet guys. They probably train together. Tons and tons of times over the years. Ben Killaby Saunders versus Alan the Model Joban. Um, I made up that last nickname for um, Joban. Um, if you don't know, he's a used to be a male model before his fighting career. I'm pretty sure he still actually does it on the side. Um, so both these guys are pretty uh, pretty good jujitsu guys. Ben, I would think Ben Saunders is a better jujitsu athlete, and uh, Joban is the better striker. Saunders' striking is not very good, and Joban's is is very good. Joban's takedown defense is also very good. Um, so, I uh, I see uh, Joban, you know, being able to keep this on the feet and uh, able to uh, able to beat uh, Saunders pretty easily. Um, you know, what he might even knock him out because Saunders is kind of, not helpless, but very, uh, very disadvantaged on the feet when it comes to Joe Ban. Joe Ban's awesome on the feet. Uh, was able to uh, solve the puzzle of Mike Perry and just keep him at distance and kick the shit out of his legs and body kick him and jab him and keep him away and uh, won that fight really easily and was the first person to, to beat uh, Mike Perry. Um, next fight, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, Angela Overkill Hill, taking on Miriam uh, Miriam Rose. I want to say Marais, like a Brazilian, but it's Maraz, uh, like a Ukrainian. Um, so uh, Maraz is not very exciting fighter. She always often has pretty boring decisions uh, that that are like you don't even know who won that fight. You're just gonna kind of flip a coin. But on the other hand, Angela Hill always is getting in brawls. Always is. Um, 
Um, I guess her last fight was uh, kind of close with uh, Nina Ansaroff. Um, Nina kind of surprised a lot of people when that fight looked really good on the feet. But um, I don't know. I don't think Mraz uh, has the same striking uh, level as uh, Ansaroff, and I think that uh, Hill will probably win this one. I uh, don't know how. I mean, obviously, probably by decision. Um, because that's women's MMA, but um, I think she'll just, you know, outwork her, outpunch her, and it'll, uh, hopefully, Hill will turn it into a dogfight, maybe get a finish, but unlikely. Uh, next fight, Marion Renell versus Sarah McMahon, two pretty well-known uh, bantamweights who have been in the UFC for a long time. Uh, uh, Renell is coming off of uh, two TKOs in a row, not in a row, but she had a, a draw with Betch Cohea in the middle of it. But uh, two TKOs, uh, both in the third round too, which is pretty uh, pretty impressive. Um, you know, to be able to have the cardio to go for a finish, uh, yeah, especially not especially for a woman. But you don't, you very rarely see women finish fights in the third round. Um, it's usually a lot more like lay and pray. Um, so Marion uh, Renau's grappling is very good, and uh, McMahon's you know wrestling is also very good. But she uh, she is kind of susceptible to uh, to submissions. Um, although Nunes did stun her with a punch before she choked her out. Um, she did uh, Nunes did submit her, and Vieira kind of uh, ha- handled her on the ground. But Vieira is uh, much better Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, so. This fight will probably be pretty, uh, pretty ground heavy. Don't really have much of a prediction, but uh, uh, I keep saying don't really have a, much of a prediction, and then predicting something anyway. But I'm, not, I'm, I'm. What I mean is, I'm not very confident in the prediction. But I'll go with Renal by submission. Next fight, one of my former fight, favorite fighters ever. Can't really just get behind the guy anymore because he, he fucking sucks. Um, Hennon Brow versus Brian Kelleher. Um, Hennon Brow was on like one of the most insane win streaks in MMA history. I can't even count up how many wins, but it was like it was like thirty some in a row. Um, thirty two wins with one draw in there somewhere. No one one no contest. But uh, even though most of the guys were Brazilian cans, he did uh, he did go I think ten and zero in uh, in Zufa. Let me count. Let me count up these bitches. Um, he was uh, 2-0 and in uh, WEC and started off 7-0 uh, and in the UFC. He was the Bantamweight champ. Ended up getting tooled by Dillashaw. Had a comeback fight uh, after he hit his head in the bathtub cutting weight. Got tuned up by Dillashaw again. Uh, lost the decision pretty decisively to Jeremy Stevens. Um, won... Uh, I guess I guess a decisive fight against Philippe Nover, and then ended up losing again to Aljamain Sterling. So uh, that was uh, UFC 214 really recently. So you know Brian Kelleher isn't exactly the the greatest fighter. Um, he has he has looked pretty pretty solid in his past uh, uh, ten outcomes, but we, we've also seen him seen him get submitted. Um, so for a guy whose submission game is uh, probably one of his strengths, he did get submitted. Um, by a guy who's, uh, well, I guess uh, Chito Vera's submission game is uh, pretty good too, but um, he has uh, he has wins over uh, Yuri Alcantara and Damian 
Stotslack in the UFC, uh, both finishes, um, was uh, was uh, pretty uh, well established though in the uh, regionals before that, fighting in ring of combat and uh, CFFC, two pretty reputable promotions uh, around my area, around you know PA, New Jersey, a lot of guys, um, you know Aljamain Sterling, uh, Chris Weidman, Ally Quinta, Jared Gordon. Um, Ton, uh, Paul Felder, all those guys have come from Ring of Combat, CFFC. So, um, so uh, definitely good, uh, pr- reputable promotions. Um, so, you know, it's uh, Hennenbrow obviously still can win a fight. You know, he beat Felipe, he beat Felipe Nover less than two years ago, but uh, I don't know. He, he's just, momentum is so far against him. He was clearly uh, dependent on steroids. And uh, now he doesn't have them, and he's kind of kind of stinking up the joint. So it's kind of sad to see him diminish so much because I did love the dude at one point so much when he was uh, you know spinning back or spinning back kicking Eddie Wineland and knocking out Faber. I was a huge huge fan, but um, unfortunately, T.J. Dillashaw stole his soul. Um, next fight, um, main card, uh, the people's main event. He's always the people's main event, like he claimed on his uh, on the podcast. Mike Perry versus Max Griffin. Uh, Mike Perry's last fight was only in December, and it was a pretty uh, pretty hard fought decision against uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. He did lose the fight. Um, didn't look terrible, and then probably won one round. But um, Ponzinibbio, we learned in that fight, is actually very high high level. Um, the guy he's fighting, Max Griffin, not the not the most talented fighter. Um, he uh, he's two and one in the UFC, uh, losing to Colby Covington and some guy whose name is so long I don't even want to announce uh, attempt to pronounce it. Um, don't really remember seeing him fight, so I can't make too much of a judgment on the guy. Uh, although the UFC does like feeding uh, sheep to Mike Perry just so they can get some uh, impressive knockout or, you know, get their guy to win. Um, it's cause, you know, the UFC loves Mike Perry. It's pretty evident. They asked him to uh, fly to New York this week to do the MMA hour. Even though he's from Florida and this fight is in Florida, they they uh, asked him to fly to New York just to do some media, which he did it because um, he's uh, you know pretty pretty company oriented. You know he's uh, although he's um, kind of unpolished, he's been caught you know saying faggot I think uh, on Twitter a lot and um, maybe maybe even some racist tweets from uh, before he was in the UFC and has also had his fair share of you know altercations with other UFC fighters. Um, he's still pretty willing to step up for the promotion, you know, take fights on short notice or, uh, do this media obligation. So, um, uh, love Mike Perry. You gotta love the guy. Hope he, hope he knocks him out. Um, and, uh, probably we'll see that. So, uh, next fight is a very, very good matchup. These next three uh, fights are awesome matchups. They're really close, hard to pick. Um, Ovin St. Pro versus Iri Latifi. Um, this fight was supposed to happen, I think, l- last month on UFC Fox 27, but it got pushed back to this one. Um, Ovin St. Pro uh, won three fights in a row, um, two of them by uh, what Sherdog has listed as shoulder chokes, but they were actually uh, Von Flu chokes, also known as the St. Pro choke because uh, OSP has three wins in a row 
uh, or not in a row, three wins in the UFC by uh, Von Fluchuk. So they're basically renaming, or not they, but a lot of people are kind of jokingly referring to the submission as uh, the Von or the Saint Prue now. So uh, you know, one of them was against uh, Marcos uh, Lima, not the highest level of competition. Another one was Yushino Kami, who was taking the fight on short notice and had a that that fight was that fight was super super questionable. Pretty sure Okami just took the fight to get a payday and lost as easily as he could because um wi- without getting too technical into the terms of of the submission, you need to you need to wrap your arm around your opponent's head while he's on top of you to to get von flued okay it, it's impossible unless you specifically wrap your arm around the guy's head while he's inside control and any trained grappler knows that the second you do that the guy's going to push down all of his weight on his shoulder on your ch- on your neck and actually just choke you with his shoulder that's all he needs so OSP landing this choke two times before in the UFC. Um, if Okami had watched any tape at all or heard anything about OSP, he would know that this is his bread and butter. And uh, he basically just got on the ground in the first couple minutes of the fight and uh, threw his arm over OSP's uh, neck, like you're, the only thing you're not supposed to do, and got choked unconscious right away. Um so, you know, Okami's been in the UFC for a long time. Um, I, I, I guarantee you that he probably made about $90,000 from that. Uh, I'm going to look it up, actually, right now. Uh, you hear me typing in the back. He probably made about $90,000 from that. Uh, no, it was only fi- only 57000 Um but still, that's pretty easy for getting choked out without really getting punched much in two fights. And I'm pretty sure the fight was in Japan, too, so the dude didn't even have to fucking travel. Um, but I could I could be could be wrong. He might That might not have been in Japan, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yes, it was in Japan. So the dude didn't even have to travel. So um, almost positive that fight was not fixed, but thrown by Yushinokami. Um, so don't really hold that to... Uh, that's kind of a conspiracy theory uh have kind of gotten away from original MMA conspiracy theories but that's totally one um which is actually very very provable um next fight was an uh, an excellent performance Korean or not an excellent because he did lose the first two rounds of the fight pretty decisively to a less experienced fighter in Corey Anderson but he uh was you know having a lot of trouble with uh the wrestling of uh Anderson in the beginning, and uh, then uh, was able to knock him out with a head kick in the third round. It was a pretty insane finish. Um, it was insane that he was able to, you know, with withstand that uh, the first the, the getting beat up for the first two rounds and somehow land a head kick. But I mean, uh, Corey Anderson was pretty gassed, and like I said, he's not uh, not very experienced. Um, the, the guy he's fighting this time much more much more tough. Um, but also is a strong, strong wrestler. Um, he wins a lot of his fights by you know just taking people down and holding them there, like he did, like he did with Volante, like he did with uh, Tyson Pedro, and is also kind of likely to uh, uh, land a knockout. He's got uh, three knockouts in the UFC. Um, 
So uh, Latifi's striking is not as good as OSP's. OSP's definitely going to want to try to keep it uh, on the feet, but um, Latifi's takedowns are pretty good. The dude's wrestling is solid. His top pressure is good. Doesn't have much jujitsu game. You know, doesn't really go for uh, submissions too often, but um, even though OSP is pretty pretty well-versed in submissions, uh, grappling. So um, I th- the way I see this fight going is Latifi just controlling the wrestling and kind of just dominating uh, Latifi via wrestling, wrestle-fucking, um, just top control, and probably winning a uh, decision over him. Next fight uh, is an awesome uh, uh, matchup, uh, women's uh, MMA matchup. Uh, Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Tornado Torres. Uh, but these girls are underrated as fuck. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of talk a lot of shit about women's MMA because uh, so many of the girls are just not up to up to par with the skill level of the rest of the UFC. But these girls uh, 100% are. Um, Jessica Andrade has... Pr- I've never seen her in a boring fight. Um, you know, she she mauled uh, Jessica Penny, mauled Joanne Calderwood, had a fucking insane fight with Angela Hill. That's the best women's MMA fight in UFC history, if you haven't seen it. Angela Hill versus Jessica Andrade. These girls just, just go to war. Um, uh, Andrade didn't really do too well against Jacek, but obviously, you know... Uh, Joanna is Joanna, and then uh, Andrade actually beat uh, Claudia Gadelia too in a fight of the night performance. I don't remember watching that one. I I, I should go back and watch that because I'm sure it was a great fight. Um, but uh, you know, you you beating beating Claudia Gadelia, you're, you're pretty fucking good. Uh, so I mean, Jessica Andrade, I think is clearly uh the number three ranked uh, featherweight in the world. I don't know if that's her official UFC ranking. Let me check right now. But um, behind uh, Joanna and Rose, obviously. But uh, Tisha Torres is, is right up there with them. She's uh, She won her last fight. Uh, let me think uh, off the top of my mind. don't remember off the top. It was a high-level opponent, though. Michelle Watterson, that's right. She... Uh, uh, dominated Michelle Watterson on the feet. She's just real, really active. Um, and, I mean, uh, she, she can also take the fight to the ground, too, which Andrade can, too. She, they're both very well-rounded. That's why, that's why I respect these girls is because they have legit skills on the feet, legit skills on the ground, and they fucking get after it. They're not trying to win a fight by decision. They're not trying to... You know, coast to like like half these other bitches are like they're like Marion Marais is is trying to win fights via via decision, trying to you know win on points, trying to just not no that's not what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to go go for the kill. I mean, you know. When you're in women's MMA, you're not really. It's it's not like it's a if it's not like if I'm aggressive, I'm gonna get counter punch and one punch knockout like that. The fear has to be there in uh, men's MMA. It's 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 not. There's that threat is not there. So if there's not a threat of getting you know knocked out or not some major threat like uh, of of uh, ending the fight suddenly, fucking be aggressive. Like go after it. Um, Look at look at uh, Misha Tate versus Holly Holm. Ho- Misha Tate said the first four rounds of that fight, she was scared. She didn't want to go for a takedown because she was afraid she was going to get kicked in the face by Holly Holm. She was afraid of her striking. She knew she had great distance. She knew she kept Rousey away from takedowns by, you know, jabbing her face off and kicking her. And, um, so Tate was scared. And then after losing the, fir- the first, you know, uh, first 
not she didn't lose all the rounds, but she was losing the fight. And there's two or three minutes left in the fight. After 25 minutes, she's like, "My career's on the line. I want this fucking belt. I'm gonna go after there, go out, go out there and be aggressive." And you know, she she said, "Fuck the distance, fuck the jab, fuck a head kick. I'm gonna close the distance, get a take, or you know, get it under hooks, get this girl to the ground, get a takedown, and I'm gonna choke her out." And Misha Tate right there did one of the most insane finishes in the UFC history. You know, she's losing the fight and she just bulldogs her way puts her head down, rips Holly Holm to the ground, and then chokes her unconscious. Um, Man, it's probably one of my favorite fights. Uh, You know, the first half of the fight wasn't uh, interesting, but the finish is one of my favorite finishes in UFC history. And Misha Tate just solidified herself as a fucking uh, uh, Hall of Fame uh, quality fighter uh, in that moment right there. So, um, mad respect to... uh, Jessica Andrade and Tisha Torres really looking forward to that fight this weekend. I think Andrade will win, uh, just because she's uh you know beaten uh, very very stiff competition. But it's gonna be close. It's gonna be it's gonna be very close fight. Um, uh, I'm actually looking forward to that matchup probably the most on the card. Uh, next fight main event: Josh Emmett versus Jeremy Stevens. Josh Emmett is coming off of uh, a knockout win over Ricardo Lamas. Uh, that was, you know, his his biggest biggest win in his career by ten miles. He took the fight on short notice um, when uh, Jose Aldo uh, was moved uh, to fight uh, Max Holloway, and uh, Josh Emmett stepped up as a, was a huge underdog and fucking one punch KO'd Ricardo Lamas. Uh, Lamas's body looked like a board. Like a like a board man, like he was flat lined. He was like one of those knockouts where like the guy's shoulders was still in place, or like his hands and shoulders were still stiff from you know keeping his hands up while he was boxing. And then he got hit, and his his shoulders never relaxed. Like his hands never dropped. He was just laying on the ground, knocked unconscious with his hands like you know up and like all tense. It was just insane. Um, which is weird though, because the dude is not known for a not knockout power. He's had a couple of TKOs in his uh, career before, but never a knockout, uh, like a straight knockout, you know, uh, where the dude is just totally unconscious. So interesting to see, uh, you know, that he did have a couple of wins, decision wins in the UFC before, but this was just totally shocking to see. Uh, did miss weight for the fight, unfortunately, by three and a half or two and a half pounds too. It was it was short notice, so you know there's a little bit of a an excuse there, but definitely still not a the best sign to see. So um, d- d- fingers crossed he makes weight this time. But uh, Jeremy Stevens also had a fight really recently. So that fight for Emmett was two months ago, but Stevens had a fight six weeks ago against Duhu Choi. He uh, headlined the first show of. Uh, 2018 for UFC, um, knocked Duhu Choi out in the second round, looked really good doing it, um, a fight before that, also had a great performance against Gilbert Melendez, um, was a, not so back and forth, it was pretty dominant, even though it won fight of the night, uh, pretty dominant on the hands of Jeremy Stevens, I would bet it was 30-27 actually, um, let me see, yeah, 30-26 actually, so, uh, uh, 
all three judges gave uh, Jeremy Stevens a 10-8 round. Actually, one judge gave him two 10-8 rounds. So, um, the, like, if you're doing, if you're 10-8 in Gilbert Melendez, man, that's pretty impressive. Jeremy Stevens is on a roll. Um, and, I mean, he's just way more experienced. He's been in the main events before. He's been five rounds before. He's trained for five rounds way longer. Um I think uh, this is Jeremy Stevens' fight to win. Uh, you know, I picked him to knock out Juhu Choi in their first fight as an underdog. I believe he's a favorite in this one, but uh, I believe he will get it done uh, via knockout again. Don't see this one going the whole dis- uh, the distance. They're just they're just too. Uh, uh, I mean, it could go the distance. I don't know. Jeremy Stevens is not likely to go five five minute rounds, but. Um, uh, Emmett has never been finished before, so it would uh, it's gonna be uh, not too not easy to finish the guy. So uh, that uh, covers this card. Uh, on paper, it's it's pretty good. You know, we have uh, I, I, the way I see it is uh, four uh, or the the prelims. You know, are four fights with people's names I recognize, which is, you don't always see that, you know, even, even a couple on the fight pass, you know, Honey Yaya, Russell Jones, Sam Alvey, those are guys who have been, have a good amount of fights in the UFC, so good to see that there's a little bit of substance to the card, uh, I mean, like, Saunders and Joban and, uh, Hill and Marias on the prelims, like, those are good matchups, uh, looking forward to this a lot, and then the main card has really good fights, you know, Mike Perry, always interesting to watch, two, pretty even or uh three really even uh matchups in the next ones like i said you know uh saint pru and latifi are both uh very good uh, uh uh on the ground um you know often have uh yeah i mean saint pru is not not too uh not as good as latifi on the ground so but i mean they they, they fight very similarly um andraj and torres both well-rounded uh girls who really go after it and then Emmett and Stevens are two big uh you know not power punchers but you know big swingers uh very aggressive guys um so I think this card's gonna be pretty fucking good um I, I guess I, I guess I have uh high hopes you know I uh for it even so I shouldn't get get too high hopes um because then I'm sure it'll be bad but um uh ho- hoping it's a it's a great card so that's gonna wrap up the uh, the preview for the the uh, card this weekend. We already talked about the two cards that happened uh, this past weekend. You know, Bellator and uh, UFC, um, and then another uh, another sort of slow week in uh, the news of regular MMA. You know, just day to day updates. Um, had uh, you know, of course, Conor McGregor's a, a constantly updated subject. Um, uh, Dana White was on TMZ saying that. Connor knows that he's going to be stripped. Um, I don't believe that. Um, so, like, they're they're basically saying that the UFC is going to wait until uh, Ferguson and Nurmagomedov make weight, and then somehow announce that this is for the real title. Like, that will add some sort of uh, some sort of value to the fight. Um, I don't understand that at all. I don't think they'd do it either. I'm pretty sure McGregor is going to keep his belts. Um, McGregor actually posted on Instagram today saying that when Holloway said he was injured, um, McGregor called the UFC and said that he would uh, fill in for uh, Holloway and, in his words, take out the last featherweight. So saying that he has beaten all the other featherweights, Aldo, Mendez, Holloway, um, you know, Poirier, uh, at the time, 
Um, but I guess Aldo, Aldo Mendez, and uh, Holloway are the three ones he's talking about mostly. Um, and he would go and then beat the last uh, featherweight, which is weird to say. So, you know, I guess I guess it's true because I doubt he would, uh, you know, lie when when one of a UFC executive could just come out and say that. No, he didn't actually do that. Um, so uh, I'm sure he did throw his name into the hat, but I'm pretty sure he knew that the UFC wasn't going to say yeah. Um, what he said, the UFC said, is um, they didn't have enough time to uh, to promote the fight to what they wanted to have, which which seems pretty legit. Um, if they uh, if they wanted to have a McGregor fight, they would need a pretty good amount of time to promote it to make a make a promo, get everything together, and they just weren't ready for that. Um, not to mention that... What, where is that card? Detroit? No, it's in Vegas. Um, I guess I guess it would have worked. But um, I think a pretty pretty good troll move by McGregor to kind of just throw that out there, knowing that they would say uh, no, but just kind of making it seem like he's still an active company man. Um, we had uh, Kamar Usman call out... Colby Covington for a fight in Brazil at UFC 224. I guess that's an interesting matchup. I really want to see Covington fight again. Uh, I wish he would fight Ben Askren. Um, that's kind of asking a lot, considering Askren is not in the UFC, and a lot, a lot would have to happen for uh, for that to, to for that to happen. Um, we had uh, Leona Machida versus Vitor Belfort get announced for UFC 224 in Brazil. So that's pretty. That's a pretty awesome matchup. Two old Brazilian legends getting a fight in Brazil. Probably going to be like both of their retirement fights. Well, Vitor, Vitor's for sure reti- retirement fight. He's already said that this is the last one. And then if Machida is able to beat Vitor, which he most likely will, um, I imagine that that will lead to his retirement too in Brazil. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm telling you, if he if Machida does anything besides retire in Brazil that night, he's uh, it's a, it's the wrong decision. Um, uh, we had, uh, Elias Theodoro revealed that he's going to be a ring boy for Invicta, uh, the next Invicta FC card, so that's, um, interesting, um, saying, uh, I don't really have much, much opinion on it, but I mean, uh, whatever, um, Luke Rockhold is saying, teasing that he's going to move up to, uh, Light heavyweight, which is pretty likely claim, you know, with Daniel Cormier going from light heavyweight now, uh, it's pretty much uh, happy, happy hunting for uh, Luke Rockhold. I mean, I don't think the dude does, but here's the thing: who's gonna be the light heavyweight champion? I guess, I guess Gustafson would be the best uh, light heavyweight right now, but um, I, Gustafson versus Rockhold, I uh, that's a, I guess that's a good matchup. I mean, we had Gustafson call him out last week, but um. Uh, I, I just can't see Rockhold reaching championship lever caliber ever again. I mean, the dude just has uh, such a glaring hole, uh, a glaring obvious hole in his game, and it's just too late in his career to fix it at this point. I mean, if getting f- knocked out by Michael Bisping wasn't enough realization for you to fix your boxing defense and then fighting Derek Branch and getting hit with some heavy shots and like maybe thinking you should tune up your boxing defense and then 
you're going to fight Yoel Romero and get knocked out uh, by punches, you know, you're going to want to tune up your boxing defense. So, But I just can't see him doing that. The dude seems kind of stubborn at this point in his career, and um, I don't know, it just isn't very likely to, to add many more, uh, many more tools to his game, one of those being head movement. <laughs> Pretty basic concept, but uh, unfortunately we... Uh, we don't uh we don't see uh Luke utilizing his full potential. Um and another uh we're going to close it out with uh, the last discussion that has been kind of lingering around uh this these past couple or this this week is the UFC um kind of being a fad. The fact that MMA isn't forever and you know it's not like a sport like the NFL where um there's a there's a huge demand for the sport and it'll be there no matter what the NFL no, no matter what the NFL is you know there's a good question if if the UFC disappears does MMA disappear or will another promotion come and you know take its place or will people have the interest in it at that point so it's an interesting question you know it's kind of a scary question uh, I mean I hope the UFC is not a fad I mean. I I hope that I remain a UFC fan for the rest of my life, um, you know, or at least an MMA fan to some capacity. Whether some promotion will replace it at some point, um, that's unlikely though. Very unlikely. Uh, I think it's more likely that the MMA goes goes down, uh, or the UFC and MMA go down with the ship, or then you know Bellator replaces uh, UFC as number one. So you know they brought up a lot of instances of you know declining numbers and uh, TV numbers going down and attendance and stuff like that. But I don't know. Uh, I think it's all it's all very subjective because we're in a little bit of a wall right now. We're in. We we don't have John Jones. We don't have Brock Lesnar. We don't have Ronda Rousey. We don't have the goat Conor McGregor. Um, so it's like there's not much there's not much casual interest at this point. You know, before before those four names I just mentioned. You know, we had uh, Anderson Silva, who, uh, who GSP. Those guys drew casual interest before that. And we had Chuck Liddell who. Gained uh, the, that interest, you know. There's always been a person who's uh, been able to break the mainstream like that. So the fact that now we don't really have that so much um, is kind. Of, I think worrying a lot of people and kind of, you know, giving uh, people a lot of doubt. So the last pay per view that cracked in a million was only a couple months ago with GSP, but it heavily relied on GSP and GSP's popularity in Canada to break that pay-per-view record. Uh, I don't think it hit a million in America. I think with the Canadian view, uh, pay-per-views, it jumped over a million. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't really... That, that's not really much of a difference. You know, it's North America anyway. But, um, you know, GSP only has one fight left. Uh, whether it, it's not going to be Tyron Woodley, it's, he's trying to save or hold out from McGregor. Um, but if some some atrocity were to happen and McGregor the matchup doesn't happen, which I believe it will at some point, there's just too much money and star power for it not to happen, then GSP might fight Tyron Woodley. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's unlikely. I feel like that's uh, a difficult matchup for him, and he doesn't want anything to do with it. So... Um, GSP having one fight left. All right, John Jones, your other star, was the last time they broke a million. Well, uh, 214, you might have done like eight or 900,000, but that's basically a million. Um, that was their second best pay-per-view of the year. 
so, you know, John Jones is, is pretty much gone for now. Uh, you know, he might be back in... He might only get a year suspension. He might get 18 months. He might get two years. We don't really know. We're going to see his... I think uh, he had a trial uh, trial date set for, I believe, I think it's late February. So hopefully we get to see in the, the next week and maybe next episode we'll have an update for you. Uh, so John Jones is not around right now. So And, of course, Brock Lesnar also, their, their other star who broke the million pay-per-view threshold a bunch of times, not around. Uh, he's currently with the WWE. He's got a contract. You know, he might come back to the UFC. Nobody really knows. Uh, you know, after his last uh, ster- positive steroid test, you don't really know what to expect with the guy. He would probably have to uh, face some more serious uh, drug testing if he were to come back. So that doesn't really doesn't really uh, appeal to him because, you know, he he needs steroids. So, uh, you know, Rousey moved on to the WWE. She's Her MMA ship has sailed. She's completely done. So the only star is Conor McGregor. So when Conor McGregor is not fighting in the UFC, which he hasn't for a very long time, I believe it, he actually broke the record this week for the longest title reign without a defense at over 460 days. So since it's been 460 days since we've had that, that U, uh, the UFC, re- well... I guess UFC two hundred seven. What was after that? Which is, uh, which is, uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, we did have pay per views do a million, but I don't, I didn't see the casual audience, uh, of McGregor and Rousey for the for uh, the uh, GSP and John Jones fights. Um, for Rousey at two hundred seven, we had a lot of casual interest. You know, Rousey's a mega star, so. Uh, but I mean that that didn't help the UFC at all because she lost. So that was like a one-time payday. They 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 made a little money off of it, but their their cash cow is gone. With with UFC two hundred five, they made a fuckload of money and their cash cow is alive and thriving. So without that that motivation of oh yeah we can we can you know throw we can have another McGregor fight and get million pay per view buys and make hundred million dollars and get casual interest and peak peak uh you know get the number one trending on twitter and have the number one search engine and google that week uh that that's all the great science for the ufc but when when we got a we got a, i think we got a little bit spoiled to seeing that we saw it with ufc 189 with 190 193 194 196 200 202 so all those numbers I just listed are when UFC pay-per-views broke into the mainstream and, uh, you know, casual people who would never talk about the UFC are, huh, Brock Lesnar's fighting this weekend? Ronda Rousey's fighting this weekend? Oh, Conor's fighting this weekend, right? Yeah. So that's when, that's when we, the UFC is doing its best, and that's when we think, like, the UFC could stay around forever. We think it's a global sport. We think it has, you know, tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of fans um, who, you know, know who McGregor and Rousey and Lesnar are. But when we don't have that, it seems like we're in, like, the dark ages. It seems like people were referring, like, the tap-out era, you know, saying, like, you know, is the tap-out era, of course it's over, but was the UFC better off in, in that, you know, the... There was better, better numbers, better ratings, and now we're in the Fox era when everything is, you know, polite and a little more polished, and all of a sudden we're not seeing better numbers. 
But I don't think it's anything to get too caught up on. Uh, Conor McGregor's coming back to the UFC. Um, you know, so th- th- once once that happens, everything will be back on track. Everybody's worries will be gone. There's not going to be any worry that the UFC's a fad or it's going to disappear soon. Uh, I think the UFC is pretty securely uh, going to be around for the next 10, 10 years. Dec- you know, you could say that right now. I think no, no matter what, the UFC is going to be around 10 years from now. You know, after 10 years, it, you know, it might get a little questionable, you know. If there's, you have to see if there's new stars who replace people, uh, replace people's spots. But, I mean, I imagine there was. The people, Dana White said this before that the people always used to say to him, "What are you gonna do when Chuck Liddell's gone? What are you gonna do when Anderson Silva's gone? What are you gonna do?" When, uh, and people are gonna say that about Conor McGregor. They're gonna say, "What are you gonna do when Conor McGregor's gone?" Uh, some someone else is gonna come and replace him. Uh, for some reason, for the past fifteen years, there's been a, a a one or two mega MMA stars who have you know drawn millions of people and broken into the mainstream. Like I said, it went from Chuck Liddell to Silva to GSP to you know, Brock Lesnar to John Jones to Conor McGregor to Ronda Rousey. Those are the 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 seven I guess I think I named seven biggest people. And but after this, after McGregor and Rousey, there's gonna be another person, and if they're gonna put the UFC on their back, and they're gonna sell a million pay per views, and it's gonna keep continuing on like this because people love fighting, uh, you know they they love uh the the shit talking the the theatrics behind it, and as long as you know MMA is exi- it exists it already exists it, it can't go anywhere even boxers like Floyd Mayweather are talking about MMA now because he knows there's a market for it he knows it's it has uh, an audience he knows that there's money to be made from it, uh it's a sport it's not going anywhere, so um uh. I understand where the people who are writing those is the UFC a fat articles are coming from. Uh, I don't think any of the worry around it is legitimate. I don't think that there's any there's any threat to the UFC uh, in the near future. You know, um, I would like to see what happens with the TV deal. Uh, I would like to see what they keep doing with the pay per view model. You know, selling sixty five dollar pay per views when the cards are terrible, like UFC two twenty one, isn't a business model that's sustainable. So, um, you know, they would definitely need to reform the pay per views of some sort. They need to, uh, they need to add a little more content to Fight Pass. They need to uh, address the weight cutting issues. They need to treat fighters uh, a little bit better with a little more respect they need to uh, get fighter pay a little bit better um th- you know there's there's tons and tons of things the UFC should do um to better itself but uh none of them are uh immediately necessary they can they're actually comfortable enough operating with this many problems uh and they're still profiting a huge amount of money off of it so um you know I the UFC is safe and secure for the time being. We don't have to worry about that. MMA is, you know, going to be on our TV screens, uh, you know, 45, 50 weekends out of the uh, out of the year for a, a long foreseeable future. So that means that we will be making Martian MMA episodes for the long foreseeable future. Don't worry, everybody. We're in this bitch for the long haul. 
All right, so that's going to wrap up uh, episode 11. Um, we talked about Bellator 194, UFC Austin, UFC Orlando, and then, of course, the just the day-to-day uh, UFC news. Um, hope everybody enjoys the Orlando card this weekend. Uh, I'll be coming at you the, the week after that to preview UFC 222. Um, you know, excited for a pay-per-view, even though it's not a good pay-per-view. Pay-per-view is a pay-per-view. It's still got a, a little bit of a, a an exciting feeling to it no matter what. Even though this one is only two weeks after UFC 221, right? Uh, no, that's not right. That's not right. It's how many how many weeks after? Um, one, two, three, three weeks after? I don't know. Still pretty pretty short period in between uh, pay-per-views. Um so yeah, that's going to wrap up episode 11. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I'll be coming at you next week with episode 12. And ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning in to episode 11, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.